the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Well, this is Chuck Olmstead, and you're listening to Heart of the City. Last week, we were uh, had a story on our program that was incredible to listen to, uh, hard to hear because it's the story of a of a woman who had gone through a lot of uh, struggles in her life. Her name is Marin Stewart, and she's with us today for part two of her story. And uh, we want to pick up where we left off. If you didn't hear last week's program, you can go to the podcast at kgnw.com, click on Heart of the City on local programs, and you can go back and listen to part one of this story of uh, Marin Stewart. And uh, Marin, thank you for joining us again today on KGNW. Thank you. Well, uh, to try to summarize your life is is really difficult to do that in about three sentences, but... You were sexually abused as a young child mm-hmm. and uh, then got involved in drugs when you were fifth grade? Yeah, fifth grade. Fifth mm-hmm. grade. Life of promiscuity, really from there, there were mm-hmm. lots of issues that, that were the reason for that. Right. And then a, a couple of abortions in your teenage years, mm-hmm. which which uh, would have been um, devastating and uh, just pick up from there uh, in your teenage years. You talked about the fact that you eventually moved here to Seattle from Monroe right. and started uh, working and had a pretty successful job. Right. Things, things I thought were, uh, had improved quite a bit. Um, I was very excited to prove to my parents that I um, actually was a good person, a good girl, and that I could be successful at life mm-hmm. um, and that they didn't have to worry about me. And so you did that for a while, then met a man that was very uh, abusive to you. Yes. And eventually lost everything. Yes, lost everything. Lost my car, was uh, repossessed, was evicted from my apartment, uh, lost my job, and went into a severe depression. And at that Mm -hmm. time, there was some abuse that happened from him that really put you over the top as far as your lifestyle and your destructive behavior. Mm -hmm. There was, um, I got pregnant by that man and did not keep the baby, had had an abortion. And the day that I had that abortion, he broke into my apartment and raped me. Mm -hmm. And that's when things took a radical turn for the worse. You know, as as we listen, and you you work with an organization, the organization for for prostitution survivors, and so you you've seen, you know, you've been on that side, and you're mm-hmm. now helping people. But yes. what is in the heart? Uh, and and I, I, you can't generalize because each person makes their own decisions. But 
If you had to summarize or or give a, a generic answer, what happens to the heart of a woman when she decides to go down this path? What's what's going on? Well, I'd say like 98, 99% of the time, the woman doesn't make the decision to go down that path from a healthy um, perspective. She's She's broken. She's been traumatized, usually abused sexually and or physically. Um, she's already been through so many things in her life that have prepared her for mm-hmm. that, that has set the stage and kind of pushed her in that direction. It's, it's basically she's been groomed as a little girl on by the things that, is, that has happened to her to be able to consider that and then to be able to do that type of work. So for you, mm-hmm. you uh, you were here in Seattle, went through that relationship, then ended up going overseas to Taiwan yes. and actually working in the industry over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, when we finished up your story from last week, you had uh, gone to, to jail for, for, for that and um, pick it up from there. Yes. Yeah, so... Uh, the club I was working at, um, we got raided multiple times, but we were able to um, escape the raid each time by hiding in different passageways and hallways and different elevators. Um, but finally, we did get raided, and the club got busted, and, and we all were put in jail. And um, uh, we ended up having to have the, the American embassy get us out, mm-hmm. which was quite an ordeal. Um, but that in and of itself still didn't wake me up to the danger that was around me and the, the places, the dangerous places and the positions I was putting myself in that were so harmful mm-hmm. and, and dangerous for me. It didn't, it didn't wake me up. Yeah. So were you able to come back to the United States at that time? Yes. And came back. Um, we were in jail for, um, I think it was close to two weeks, but we we did come back, and um, I continued working in that industry, and I got a regular job thinking that that would be a way to keep to keep myself sane and, and balanced and to prevent myself from really crossing a lot of lines within that industry that I never wanted to cross. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But it didn't. So I ended up having um, a regular job, a very good job, and and leading very much leading a double life, lying to people about what I was doing, um, being very skilled at at talking to people and and controlling the conversation so that people wouldn't ask me about my work or ask me about what I was doing because I didn't want them to look into my eyes and to know what I was really doing. And so I it, it was. It's exhausting, and mm. it's, it's miserable leading a double life, but that is what I did for many, many years. It's interesting. Last week at the beginning of the program, you talked about this in, intuition, that, uh, this in, in, innate thing that you had as a mm-hmm. young child to be able to see into people's eyes right. and to really understand the truth of what was going on in their lives and look beyond the mask. Right. But mm-hmm. then as a 20-something, that's the very thing that was mm-hmm. going on in your life, wasn't exactly it? That, what that I was you doing. were you had a mask, 
mm-hmm. you had to lie. You were lying to them and lying mm-hmm. to yourself mm-hmm. to be able to live this lifestyle. Exactly. It's amazing how the trick of the enemy can, can make that happen. I, it is. He's very subtle and very sly, um, but he does. He twists the gifts that God gives us. He twists them into something dark and, and harmful to us and to others. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when God comes into your life, he sets it all right. Hey, that's yeah. right. That's right. To use it for his purposes mm-hmm. and, for, and actually for he makes you whole to be able to, to do those things. Mm-hmm. So, so during this time, you're in your 20s, early 30s. Well, what? so early, t- it, this was coming back from Taiwan. I was in my early 20s, and that was actually um, when God started speaking to me. And I heard him say many different times, he would say to me, this is all he would say, he would say, when you're 41, when you're 41. And I had no idea what that was. I didn't know it was God speaking to me. I thought it was some bizarre thought just crossing my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually started arguing with the thought. And I would think, when I'm 41, what? When I'm middle-aged, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to all of a sudden be Christian like my family? I was arguing like that. Had no idea what that even was. Until I turned 41. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So keep, uh, keep us uh, moving forward. So then what was going on in your life into your 30s? You stayed in the industry? You I were, stayed in the were, industry. Were you still working two jobs? Or? I was working two jobs. I ended up... So um, there is... When I was 24 I ha- or 25, I have to say this part, I ended up getting pregnant again. And this time... I kept the baby because I knew that I know how this is happening. I can't keep doing this. So I, I chose to keep the baby. And um, again, that her dad, it was a very abusive relationship, very dangerous relationship again. But I kept the baby. Um, my daughter's 19 now. Um, so the thing that was very interesting about that is I um, had a experience where um, I lived in an apartment and it was this dark kind of gray apartment. It was dingy and I didn't like it. My daughter was one, but I was doing it to just kind of slowly move forward and or living in that place to slowly move forward. And um, I was so worried about what was going to happen to my daughter. I love her. I loved her and love her so much that I was so fearful about what could possibly happen to her with her dad. Mm-hmm. And um, I had an experience in that apartment where I, God came, spoke to me. He changed the atmosphere. He changed it from gray in there, gray and dingy, to golden and yellow and pink. And, and it felt like I was being embraced by love. I could see these colors. It was the color of love. We don't have it here, but I saw it clearly. So he removed the veil. Oh. Not only the veil of darkness that I was carrying, but, but the veil of, of um, the, the spiritual world and the world as we know it. And he showed me um, this color of love, of who he is, his glory. And it was this most beautiful, profound embrace of love. And he said to me, um, it makes me cry every time because, because I know his heart and I know... He was talking to me then. He said, 
I first I got scared. I didn't know what it was, and and I but I thought, is this you, God? Mm. And he smiled at me, and I could feel him smile. And he said, he kept smiling like how you smiled a little child asking like a really naive question. He just smiled and he said, yes, it's me. I've been here the whole time and I will be here the whole time. And I thought, and I heard him audibly. And it's a strong, beautiful, gentle voice. And I thought, but even though I've done all this, and I, and I know I'm yet to do all this still. I know I'm not done. And he smiled at me again. He said, even though. He said, I will always be here. I will always be here. And then one by one, I was surrounded by angels. And, I, and, I, and it was like, uh, it was the most beautiful moment. And I, and I don't know how long it lasted, but finally, I mean, slowly it just kind of dissipated. It was like he slowly put... This, the veil between our world and the spiritual world, which is all around us. He put that back down gently, but they were still there. I could feel them, and I could feel him. And I was sobbing. I was overwhelmed. I never felt love like that in my life. I didn't know anything existed like that. We don't have that between human beings. <laughs> and... um but I was still so lost. I thought that was meant for my daughter. I didn't know it was meant for me. I thought he was just showing me that my daughter is protected. And so I continued in that lifestyle and, and went in darker and more drugs and got heavily, heavily addicted to pills and to Oxycontin. And so many times... Um, I thought I was going to overdose and I was so afraid to fall asleep because I thought I'm not going to make it through the, I don't I'm not going to wake up. I'm so heavily uh, I'm so I was so high. I was so afraid to fall asleep and I so many times should have overdosed. So many experiences with um in the life of of um sexual sexual exploitation that I was should have been murdered and was close to it. And all while hiding what I was doing from my daughter, trying not to let any of it rub off on her, any of it affect her, and lying to my child about what I was doing, who I even was, and lying to my family. And it was horrible. It was a horrible, miserable existence. And um, and then, um, it, then I'm getting, you know... I keep thinking there's certain things I'm not going to do in this job. I will never do this and I'll never do that. But I keep crossing those lines and I keep going darker and I keep getting older and older. And now I'm like close to 40 and and I'm thinking, what am I doing? I'm so old. I'm still doing this. And I, I just accepted the fact that I'm good at this. This is, must be what I'm created for. This must just be what my life is about is to to do this. This is what I've been my whole life. This is what I'm going to be. And so... Which the enemy wants to do for all of us, to yes. make life hopeless. Yes. I cannot change. There is no hope. Exactly. Exactly. And so I just accepted it, and I was making so much money that I was giving it away and, and spending it like crazy. The faster it came in, the, the faster I, I spent it, the more drugs I 
got, you know, and, and I would at times be, I would at times I would be clean and sober, but but I was so dissociated. I was not present. I used to drift above myself. I was mm-hmm. totally um, outside of my body all the time, and um, it got to the point where I started. Um, I I had a boyfriend who was a drug dealer and. He, I was deeply in love with him because he knew all of my secrets. I didn't, I didn't keep any of it from him. He knew me, and I knew him. He had his secret double life, being a drug dealer, um, had a huge growing production of marijuana. This was before it was legal, mm-hmm. and um, so we connected on that. We connected. Two people in darkness connected, and were happy in our darkness with each other. And making it work. and um, But then something very strange started to happen to me. I started getting acutely aware of um, what's going on in the Middle East. Why is this all? Why Jerusalem? What is the deal? Why is everything happening there? And just starting to, starting to consider that. And um, starting to think starting to something was happening in my mind that I was starting to think think about things that I had never considered before. Um, I have my brother-in-law is, is actually my pastor, but mm-hmm. he, and he's always been a pastor, and I used to butt heads with him terribly bad because, because of the light that is in him, that is Jesus Christ. I was offended by that light, and it used to make me so angry. And um, there was a time where I was... Um, cleaning out my garage and found five Bibles way down deep in a box that I did not even know that I owned. And I don't know where they all came from, um, but there they were. And I opened it up and I heard God say to me then, you've been looking for answers your whole life. They're all in here. And I just thought, well, something's trying to tell me something, but it didn't, it didn't register to me. And um, I started getting visions I know now that were from God, but I was, God was softening my heart and he was pulling me to him. And it was, it was incredible. But at the same time, God was pulling me. The enemy was doing everything he could to keep his hooks into Mm -hmm. me and to pull me backwards. And, um, it got to a point where, um, I had realized because I was also um, throughout this whole time deeply involved in the occult with doing astrology, um, reading charts, doing charts for people. I knew numerology, um, palmistry, tarot cards, all of it. I was deeply involved in the, in the occult because I was constantly trying to seek answers, trying mm-hmm. to understand myself. What is wrong with me? And um, it got to the point where uh, I became uh, acutely aware of my state of being spiritually dead. I was literally dead, and I knew it. And this lasted for a few days, for about three days. And I was laying on my bed one day, just laying there without a thought, without a feeling, without anything, no motivation, nothing. And one of those Bibles that I found happened to be on my bed, I don't know who brought it up there or why it was there, but I glanced at it and I thought, and I rolled my eyes and I thought, well, I guess I have nothing to lose now. So I 
opened it up, and I had recently just learned um, about that every single thing is in the Bible. You can look in the back, and you can find <laughs> specific words and right. feelings and experiences. So I didn't know what to look for because I didn't know what I was feeling. And whatever word he led me to, I turned to that scripture verse, and I read it. And as I read it, I not only understood it, but I felt it sinking into my heart. And I felt the Holy Spirit come down through the top of my head and wash over my whole entire body and make me like clean and pure and brand new in every sense of the word. At that exact moment, I felt it and I was, I could feel it and I was understanding what I was reading. I was understanding it and and I looked up from I looked up from the Bible and looked around my room and saw everything that I had been surrounding myself with, all the false idols in every way, shape, or form that were actually steering me away from God and were in making me reject him. And he showed me every single thing that has happened to me and how it affected my heart and how it affected my relationships. He convicted me of every single sin that I couldn't feel in the moment of doing that all throughout my life. He convicted me of it, showed me the depth of it, but then showed me that I have, was forgiven for all of it, that I have babies in heaven. I'm forgiven for that. I'm showed me everything. He showed me my purpose, which is that Every single thing that I have been through, he was with me. Mm-hmm. He protected me through all of it and and allowed me to go into my sin to experience these things so that I could turn around and reach others who are in the same exact position. And that is what I've been doing from the moment that I got saved on. And he also showed me that I will be speaking to many, many, many people about him, which is what I do. I've evangelized all the time. I talk about him. He's my best friend. He's my father. He's my love. He's my teacher. He's everything. So, um, you know, I, as we, we've just got about two minutes left. I was just reading this today, and, and when you talked about God smiling, I, I the chapter I read today from The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren was What Makes God Smile? <laughs> and um, and uh, he wrote in here, and I'll do this quickly. God mm-hmm. even enjoys watching you sleep. When my children were small, I remember the deep satisfaction of watching them sleep. Sometimes the day had been filled with problems and disobedience, but asleep they looked contented, <laughs> secure, and peaceful. And I was reminded of how much I love them. My children didn't have to do anything for me to enjoy them. I was happy to just watch them breathing Mm -hmm. because I love them so much. As their little chests would rise and fall, I'd smile, and sometimes tears of joy filled my eyes. When you are sleeping, God gazes at you with love Mm -hmm. because you were his idea. (sighs) He loves you as if you were the only person on earth. He does. Marin, as I've heard your story, I think of the faithfulness of God. Mm-hmm. He spoke to you so many ways, and he watched you as you were in the depth of, of, of sin. Yeah. But yet he continued to love you, even 
when you were blinded by your own sin. Yeah. I, I think about the parents that are listening today, the people mm-hmm. who are seeing their loved ones that are in this lifestyle or in deep sin, and they think there is no hope. God is speaking to those his children all the time, isn't mm-hmm. he? He is faithful to them. Mm-hmm. He will. His word that's been implanted in their hearts can bring fruit many times, many years later. Yes. And he does it. You're an example of that. Mm-hmm. You're a testimony of that. Mm-hmm. That's your story. Mm-hmm. And so thank you for joining me today. I know that you've given hope to people who are listening to this to this broadcast. If you want to, to reach out to Marin and, uh, and talk with her, she's given her private cell number. So if you want to call her, it's 425-286-4563. And you can listen to her story again on the podcast on KGNW.com. You just go to Heart of the City and uh, cl- click on her story, and you can listen to both sec- sections of her story, last week's program and this week's program. Marin, thank you so much for sharing your story today. God bless you. Thank you. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, Call Chuck Olmsted at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.